Welcome, everybody, to Wells Preachers Podcast. We are at the final Sunday after Epiphany in our series theme, Uncovered, wrapping it up. Our theme for the day is Glory Uncovered. When it is most hidden, it is most on display. It's obviously a fitting title for this Transfiguration Sunday when Jesus uncovers a bit of the glory that was hidden in his humiliation. Our participants today are Pastor John Borman of Peace in Aiken, South Carolina, and Pastor Tim Borman of Sure Foundation in New York. Tim, let me start with you. This entire Epiphany season, we've been talking about how we need God to reveal his work and ways and thoughts to us to uncover them for us. As we end this series, what is the final thing that you'd say God reveals to us, the big takeaway you're hoping that people enjoy this weekend? Yeah, I mean, we've been the last these weeks of Epiphany. It's been such a rich experience. We've been like a little bit like archaeologists, although we're not we're not uncovering dead things, and we've we've been uncovering true life in in Christ, and it's just been an amazing thing. And this is the perfect Sunday because it's a little bit of a paradoxical twist, because this Sunday the, the big idea is that we're going to kind of give up on uncovering things and leave some things hidden. And that's exactly where we're going to, where we're going to encounter the glory of God. And that, that's what we have in, in Exodus, the, our first lesson, Exodus 34, the glory of God is revealed um, in the old covenant, in, in the Mosaic covenant, and then it's veiled for us. And then of course the gospel lesson, which is so stunning Jesus is is revealed just momentarily, and then again, his glory is covered. It's just the perfect hinge to go into Lent. Who is this man who who suffers for us? Who is this man who dies for us? Who is this man who wins the victory for us? So we want to uncover exactly what is hidden today, and there's great glory in that. That's great. And you just kind of touched on it, that the three texts for this weekend are really closely inter interrelated. Uh, John, let me go to you. You and Tim chose the text that I always thought is one of the most challenging in all of the pericope, that 2 Corinthians 3 text. You got some really esoteric uh, concepts there, the covenant, the veil. Can you explain why you guys picked this text to drive home that theme of glory uncovered? <laughs> hopefully it's not because we're masochists <laughs> oh <No>, it's <laughs> there's i agree with you john i i think this is a challenging text and i think we have to um admit that it's always a little bit easier to preach on narratives and especially going into the second corinthians text there's there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of theological twists and turns to paul's argumentation um, even even if you just look at like the way that Paul does the exegesis of Exodus 34, uh, that, it, that's very interesting and challenging. And I mean, people have written whole books on this and, and haven't figured it out. So I'm acknowledging that there is some difficulty with this, but I, I, I want to push on it because I think there's a lot of value in doing it. If you just track what, what the lectionary is doing, uh, you have the Exodus 34, which, which all by itself is a beautiful text. Yeah. I mean, you have you have the golden calf, the original sin of Israel. Um, Moses is this preeminent mediator. He he is able to bridge the gap between um, God and this sinful humanity, and reestablishes you know 
this covenant. And there God has revealed himself for the first time explicitly in the Bible to be a forgiving God. All of that is in Exodus 34. And then you get to the end of it and you have this, you just, it's, it's the, the, the lectionary, um, the pericope there is just a, a hammerhead. Like Moses is the preeminent prophet. Like he, he gets so close to God that God's radiance is, is like, so to speak, rubbing off on him. Um, but then it mounts up because you have, then you have Luke and Jesus is um, greater than, than that, you know, um, Jesus is shining with unborrowed glory. But what, what, what the second Corinthians lesson allows us to do is to push out what that means. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to look at what does it mean that Jesus is the fulfillment of all, this entire biblical narrative that we start to put it, put it together? What does it mean that Jesus is shining with unborrowed glory? What does it mean for our lives? So that's what I think is um, exciting for us. I think that's the challenge for us. And that's why I encourage people to pick it up. Like, what does it mean to stare into the face of glory? Yeah, I, I mean, that answer is perfect because I agree with you completely. That's, this is the text that ties the other two together. Um, so uh, yeah, fantastic. Tim, let me go back to you. So guys are done their text study. They're eager to start writing. Do you have any initial thoughts about how you're going to handle this text? Yeah, I, I do. And I, I just kind of wanted to lay down and, and we've been saying this already, but and I wanted to talk a little bit about the difficulty of this text and then kind of provide a way in. And, you know, some commentators had called this Paul's most elusive homily. So already it's a sermon in some ways, or like they, another commentator called it the Mount Everest of, of Paul, or it, because it's so enigmatic, Paul's Sphinx, you know, what does it, what does it mean? And, and every verse is just loaded theologically. Like just about every other verse has really significant exegetical questions and then, you know, you just asked me, how are we going to ho handle this homiletically? This isn't easy homiletically either, just because um, you kind of have to decide, are you going to be polemical? Or are you going to do an, uh, an apology of law and gospel ministry? Um, and so it's like this labyrinth of theology and exegetical theology and, and homiletics that, that you kind of have to... to um, somehow come out of. Um, and I think, you know, we've been talking about the malady. So I want to just toss out, I see two significant maladies, two possibilities, because that might be a way of starting into it. Sure. And, and one, one malady, so I'm going to just put one out there and let you guys sit with it for a second, w would be that um, here we are in, in this book, Second Corinthians, and we have these peddlers coming along, these super apostles, and these guys who are presenting themselves with a glowing face. Like, you should, you should follow us, not Paul. And um, Paul is, you know, he's evil. Maybe it's a full-on uh, polemic here. Maybe it's just got a polemical edge or it's an apology of his ministry. But he's definitely sort of either defending himself or going on the attack. And, and so one malady 
would be that we fall for false ministries like mosaic ministries, law oriented uh, ministries in our life. Um, and that would take you then in, in a particular uh, direction, you'd sort of be sitting more like on the side of the apostle Paul. So that would be, I think that would be one way of um, kind of advancing into the text. Yeah, I, I agree. Jonathan. Yeah, I, th this is it. This isn't quite the same malady, but I think it's um, similar. Is um, I, I think about what as for our for our listeners, for our auditors, what are what are we going to want them to to do? What are, what do we want to help them with? I think a, a very possible um, way forward in the sermon is to help people. Um, sort out for themselves, how, how does God change me? How does God transfigure me? Tim, you know, Timothy started to get at that when he's talking about, you know, law-based ministries. Like, these are, these are, how do I get this glowing face? You know, how do I, how do I get that? And some people are going to push law-based ministry, but I guess I'm before that. When I'm thinking about malady, I'm thinking about um, people need to know how to sort out and discern um, how we are transfigured. And I think that helps, um, you know, goes with the Sunday, Sunday, obviously, and it goes with with, with Jesus and, and what's going on there. Timothy, is that kind of what you're you want to build on that? Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's you, you could the pastor could do a full-on defense of the evangelical law gospel ministry that the church has always done in the Lutheran church in the Wisconsin Synod. That's kind of what I'm saying. And you would put out a defense of that. Like, and so I have in my local neighborhood Hillsong church and they recently, um, you know, made the news because their celebrity pastor, who you know, might say is, is a glowing face um, was apparently a serial cheater on his wife. And I kind of think those are the kinds of things that the Apostle Paul was encountering. And so if you wanted to kind of follow the target of the Apostle Paul, you would kind of target that malady for people being drawn to ministry that seems more glorious, but really isn't, right? Um, and I, I got another malady if you guys want to hear it. And this is the one I'm more that I'm more drawn to. And this would be this from the side of, of, of the Corinthians. There's a total, uh, you know, when I sit with people, sometimes there's a total despair at times, a total hopelessness that there can be what I'm going to call personal transfiguration. And I use that word on purpose, transfiguration. It's this, this transfiguration Sunday. And the word transfiguration is, is only used in the scriptures four times, twice in, in, when Jesus is, is transfigured and twice in Paul, once in, here in 2 Corinthians, where they are actively and presently, if we're going to lean on, on the tenses a little bit, being, you know, the NIV has transformed. I like the word transfigure, not disfigure, not a disfiguration, but from the inside out, they are being changed. And that is 
indicative you know that's <laughs> to use more grammar like that's actually happening right now i one guy so one guy i was just, i was sitting with and this is this would go to the malady he was he, he he was talking to me about how he's lived his life as an addict um and he he said he could look up in his dream the dream that i have and about 50 meters up he could see the light he was deep, deep down in, in the water. But about 10 meters down, there was this oxygen bubble. And he's, he thought, well, it's easier just to go deep down into the darkness. And he, he took a breath and then he was like, well, now what I'm gonna do, am I gonna try to surface or go deeper and deeper into the darkness? And 10 feet down, he found another oxygen bubble and he just keeps going down and down and down. Um, and this, this is a, a dream that kind of has him wrapped up but it's more than a dream, you know, when we get stuck in our sin. Um, so this is a chance for us to plant, now I'm getting into the gospel, a deep hope that what happened to Jesus and Moses and Elijah is for us too. That is a moment that is coming for us too. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? If I hear what, just to wrap up and maybe give some language to this, I, I think one of the ways that we can think about this is there's an overestimating of the power of Moses, you know, that Paul is getting at rhetorically here. Um, Moses is glorious, but you got to understand something about Moses. He going to kill you, <laughs> you know, and that's not what you were talking about right now. You know, finally, Moses is going to kill you. All those um all the you know law-based ministries they're they're ultimately fundamentally going to kill you that's what moses does um and we can overestimate the, the power of moses in that way but we can also underestimate the power of moses and um in the sense that we actually need him to kill us we need him to put us down and um you're talking about the despair that comes attached to that we don't want to leave people there but moses does kill us um, and then uh, this is mortification, you know, this is what the Holy, this is the work of the Holy Spirit th through the law, is he does put down our sinful flesh. And um, I, I, I want to add this on, I, um, for, for our listeners, um, grab your um, Lutheran Confessions, page of the back, and then look at the way that the confessors use this text. This is a programmatic text for Lutheran theology and the Confessions. And um, you can grab your maladies right out of the confessions for this text. And this is another reason to take it. Um, I'll just read, I'll just read one part of it. Um, Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 3 that the veil by which the face of Moses was covered cannot be moved, removed except by faith in Christ, by which the Holy Spirit is re received, for this is what he says. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit. Then it finishes the quote. Now it, it interprets it. Paul understands the veil to be human opinion about the entire law, um, the Decalogue and the ceremonial laws. Um, and then it just, it goes into it. And there's just really good. It talks about how we can be so smug, so indifferent to the law. We, we underestimate the law. And then the law comes along and it kills us. And we just go, oh. Wow, I haven't feared God. Um, and, and then on the other side of it, um, 
uh, we, we despair. So um, the, the Lutheran confessions are so good on this and it really does give you a program um, for preaching out the maladies in this text. If I'm uh, tracking what you guys are saying, and I think I am, I mean, would you put it this way, would you agree with this, that a, a lot of our listeners, they aren't, they, they want this path to um, a, a better life. And they think it's often, you know, found in the law that if we just like, how are our kids going to have a good future? Well, they need to understand what, you know, the, this, what does the law say? How, how does the law, it, we, we just gravitate towards the law and when Paul says that the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. So he says that the law is glorious, but it's glorious in this specific function, which you guys said that it, that it kills us. And so you need law in your ministry, but it, it's not that this is what, it, what it, not that the law accomplishes the transfiguration that you were talking about, Tim, um, but it, it preps us for proper reception of the, of, of the gospel, which is, that's what produces the, the, uh, the transfigure. Am I kind of following what you guys are saying? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you a story. A couple of years ago, I sat with a young mom and she was struggling to raise her kids and she was frustrated. She was sad. She was naming all these parental issues that she's having. I'm just listening to her. I'm listening to her. I'm listening. I'm taking it in. And I'm, all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. She wasn't, she was just describing her parenting to me. And I'm like, so are you going to ask me for advice? Is this why you're here right now? What is, what is going on right now? And it kicked, it kicked on um, in the moment. She wasn't, she wasn't there for guidance. She really wasn't. Um, she was there because Moses was beating on her door. She wanted me to tell her she was being a good mom. And so I didn't, the only thing I did is I asked her, do you think you're a good mom? And she burst into tears. So she already had the death in her soul. And to be transformed, she needed to hear the gospel. You know, um, it was just there. She didn't even realize it. And, and so this is what we're helping people to discern in a sermon like this. That's, that's great. I'm ready to move on to the gospel if you guys are. Go right ahead, Tim. Take us there. Well, yeah. So one of the one of the difficult things is like, where do you pick up in this text? And one of the places that you can really lean into from the very beginning, and we can talk about sermon forms in a little bit. But what it, verse eighteen is where um, this, this is kind of the height of the mountain. And so we have we have Paul making this universal statement where he says. And we all are, are being, um, like I said, I like the word transfigured. Um, and how does that happen? How does that happen? And it's, it's through seeing the Lord's glory. And I, I just love that. I love that. I love that because the Lord's glory, this is where you get to talk about the, the Lord of glory was crucified and and risen from the dead and you get to you get to break that whole thing out and the way i think about it like what is god doing when the gospel is preached when the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed it's almost like a frog that's sitting sitting on a lily pad um and and he's being warmed uh from from the glory the light but it's 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 going more than skin deep it's going from the inside out 
the inside out. And right in that moment, as the gospel is being preached, Paul says, there's this transfiguration. So it's past tense and it's present tense gospel. Um, and then, and then you go into third article gospel. So you go second article gospel, um, past tense, third article gospel, transfiguration, and you go to the source, the Holy Spirit. Um, so when the gospel is proclaimed, the spirit is at work and this personal transfiguration that we all desperately want, you know, like we want reformation in our life. If we want to go Lutheran, we want, we want transformation. If we want to go, want to go modern evangelical, or if we want to go with the sun, like we want transfiguration and this is how it happens. And this, this is the gospel that I see at least the beginning of it. There's more there, but I want to let you guys do some gospel too. Well, I, I want to say some more. I think getting at this gospel is really important. Like last, I don't know how these podcasts are all going to come out exactly, but when we did the Luke 5 text, we talked about how we had to blow up certain terms and certain phrases. And today, I think the phrase that the, the words we want to blow up are um, contemplate the Lord of glory, the Lord's glory. We want to we want to take that and 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 blow that up, and I want to give you a couple suggestions for doing that. First of all, I think it's really important to root this in the narrative, like Paul does. Um, he here, Paul is telling this is really interesting, and you you, you track the twists, twists and turns of what Paul is doing, but here he's actually telling us to be be like Moses, except we're better Moses. Moses goes in, he meets with God. Um, and he, you know, he, he's sort of like the moon. He starts having this divine effulgence coming off his face and you get the unicorn translation, all you guys, you know, from, from the Vulgate and stuff like that. Moses has the rays, you know, and um, now he's saying this is, it's better for us. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like we, um, we're like Moses, we turn to God and we see the Lord of glory um, and, and except, except it's just a different kind of glory. Like was a whole different like thing going on here because Moses glory fades away, but ours gets stronger. We go from glory to glory. So all of this, all of this is really, really important. You like, so for, that's the first thing is you got to fit this into the, into the narrative that Paul, Paul has and have, have people really understand that. But, but the second thing is, I, um, Timothy started to get at it, but this, this language of the Lord's glory, first of all, we have to talk about what that's not. That is, that's not the transcendent God. The transcendent God is a scary God. God is everywhere. Well, that means he's, yeah, that's comforting. He's with us, but it's also terrifying because it means he's with you all the time and he sees your sins too. So we're not talking about the transcendent God. We are talking about the imminent God um, who is incarnate in Jesus Christ, who, uh, who is crucified and risen from the dead for our sakes. So when we look at the glory of the Lord, we are thinking specifically about his sacrificial work on our behalf. It has to be that. That is what comforts us. So we, and that's what's, you know, to come back to our theme for the day that's what's hidden a little bit that's what's hidden and we take that and we unleash it on people this is the lord's glory and we stare at that and that's what gives us life i was sitting with a guy um 
and um, I had just the chance to sit with um, an addict recently. And it, it, we were just talking about this, like how, what is the power? What is the power to be changed? And I said, I'll tell you what it's not. And then I started loading them up with some laws. And, I, and we just talked about how it just made his face fall. It made his heart fall. He knew he couldn't do it. And, and then I told him about the forgiveness of his sins that Jesus had, had given him. And the peace and the joy was immediate. It was just immediate. And it is for all of us. And that's transfiguration. That's what we're talking about. We go from glory to glory. I love that line. We go from glory to glory. It's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that, that you're focusing on the, on that that contemplating the Lord's glory, and um, and then when Paul says that's when the veil is taken away, when you turn turn to the Lord, turn to His glory. That's and and just what you said about the Lutheran confessions being saying that the veil is man's opinion of the law, but you think if, if man typically has one of two opinions, one is um, garbage because I haven't fulfilled it. The other is I'm, I'm a saint because I have fulfilled it. And you look at the, you look at Jesus Christ and both of those are, are, are blown away. So I can't be a saint because there's a guy who is brutalized for me and that's glorious but I can't be garbage because God, this is the, 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 the lengths God was willing to come to, to make me his for all eternity. And, it, and it's just, so you look at the Lord's glory and then that, as the confessions say, that man-made opinion of the law is just shattered. And we get, and we, and that's the law doing its glory. It's glorious work is, is helping me see Christ clearly that I need him and, and that he's mine. I, I do, before we move on to outlines and stuff, I, I wanted to just salt and pepper a couple other, there's a lot of gospel in here. There's just a lot of gospel in here. You have the ministry of righteousness, like, come on. <laughs> that is so awesome. That is words of, word of, you know, means of grace ministry. Um, we set um, the, the merits and the righteousness of Jesus Christ um, against the wrath of God. I mean, this is just amazing opportunities to, to talk about this passive righteousness that we receive. Um, uh, also, you have, two, you have two covenant theology here that you can break out for people. I mean, we haven't talked about that either. Um, you have old covenant, new covenant theology. You can go through that whole thing with people um, if you think that's um, helpful for, for your people. Um, there's just a lot of things you can do just picking up on the language here. I wanted, I wanted to get into some of the possible approaches. Like we've kind of talked law and gospel now. And it's so appropriate, isn't it, for this text, law and gospel, Moses and Paul. Um, th this is one of the hardest parts about this text is, you know, how are we going to preach this whole thing? And how, how do we break this down? And I just want to notice a couple of things and then tell you a little bit more about what I'm thinking. There's one of the things that you can notice when you're studying a text is, is not only like the, the pathos of the text, which we've talked about, is it polemical? Is it apologetic? You know, it, it's, it's tough to pin down, but, but also the form of the text itself. Like, there's a there's definitely a way of approaching this text doing a compare and contrast, you know, like where you would you would take 
a sermon and, and just compare um, law and, and gospel ministry, Moses and Paul, um, false glory and, and glory that comes from, from Jesus and just kind of compare that out. I think that's a possibility. Another possibility would be to use like a central image because the images in here are really powerful. Like in glory is a repeated word. You can pick up on that. And also the word veil. And so if, if you wanted to go down that path, I think you could. You, there's, there's an incredible chalk drawing by Matthias Greenwald. Greenwald, I don't know if I said that right. Where the apostles are in the presence of Jesus on transfiguration and they cannot look at him. They're just, they're just on the ground. And there would be a place, I think, where you would describe an image like that or even put it up on a display somewhere and use that to just kind of get into these big words like glory and veil and, and some of these things that we've been talking about. Um, I'm really drawn, because of the complexity of the text, theme and parts is a really good option here. Because what you want to do is help people to come out of the labyrinth that we've been kind of talking about and really simplifying it for people. And so if we're going to go down this path of transfiguration, uh, 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 you could put out a theme, something like the, the hope of transfiguration, like, um, or Jesus invites us into transfiguration, uh, something like that. Uh, and the, you would find the theme coming straight out of verse 18, where Paul, he just embraces all of us. And he says, we're all, we're all coming in on this transfiguration with Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And this is how it happens. And then you, you would kind of go into your parts then. And you would, first of all, you would need to talk about what is transfiguration? What is it and define it? Um, and then you would, you would get into how does transfiguration happen? And this is where you kind of do your law and gospel stuff. Um, so that, that, that's something I think that would give you a good opportunity to cover the whole text. It would give you the opportunity to preach law and gospel and have a really clear theme and a way of, of making the text applicable to people's lives. Is that making sense to you guys? Yeah, I like it. And th that you zeroed in on verse 18, so you'd have the transformed, transfigured, and then also the the exegetical debate of if you translate that as contemplate the Lord's glory or reflect the Lord's glory, it could be so that, I mean, I, I definitely see where you're going with that. I, I, I agree with you, Timothy. I, I saw the same options with this scripture. Um, if somebody does come up with a really cool compare contrast sermon, somebody send it to me. I'd love to see how you did it. I think it's going to be hard to do. But I will, I did want to list this off just for our listeners. You, you do have these contrasts. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. There's a ministry of death and a ministry of the spirit. There's the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness. There's that which is abolished and that which abides. And then there's the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant. So there's a lot there to compare and contrast. Um, and you can do that a lot of different ways. But for me, I really am drawn to clarity. Um, I think I think people are going to need that with the scripture, and and honestly, I, I I think you could kind of come into a sermon like that and say, whoa, that that uh, that was a lot of stuff, wasn't it, from Paul? 
um, look at this and this and this. Let's clarify this. What is Paul talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about transfiguration. And this is what we all want. It's what we all need. It's what God is, is calling us to in Christ. And then you just lay it out. Boom, boom, boom. And you bring people a lot of clarity here. Um, and that kind of goes back to what I think a good malady is. You really do help people discern um, how to grow spiritually, I think, is a really valuable thing um, in this scripture. I got an illustration to go along with this. Go for it. I want to hear it. <laughs> this is kind of neat. Um, it's part of We're talking about change, you know, transfiguration. This is not mine. This is, I, I, I just have, you can't see this, but I just have a book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader in front of me. And this is C.S. Lewis. Um, Eustace has turned himself into a dragon. And um, he, he, the, the, C.S. Lewis writes so beautifully about this. I encourage you to pick up the book yourself. But he talks about how Eustace tries to um, take off his dragon scales. And he, at first he thinks he's done it. And then the, he, he looks down and he's like, uh-oh, there's still more dragon scales. So he keeps prying at himself to get rid of his dragon. You can see like this is the law, right? Like we're just trying to um, pull off the sin and the muck off of ourselves. Um, and he's, this is used as telling, telling the, the story. Um, he says, so I scratched away for the third time and got off a third skin, just like the two others and stepped out of it. But as soon as I looked at myself in the water, I knew it had been no good. Then the lion said, but I don't know if it spoke, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws. I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, if you've ever picked the scab of a sore place, it hurts like a bilio, but it is such fun to see it coming away. I know exactly what you mean, said Edmund. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there was I as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much for I was very tender underneath now that I'd no skin on and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why I turned into a boy again. You'd think me simply phony if I told you how much I felt my own arms. I know they've no muscle and are pretty moldy compared with Caspian's, but I was so glad to see them. After a bit, the line took me out and dressed me. Dressed you with paws? And then he goes on and talks about, you can see what C.S. Lewis is doing there with sanctification. It's really very beautiful and very moving. Yeah, I got, I got, there's, there's a lot of really beautiful pieces of, of art and poetry, but one one poet and this this is going to make it into my sermon i think he wrote um this about 
about this moment about transfiguration. And I think it just, when we contemplate the Lord's glory, it, it, it just kind of framed it well. The poet said, the love that dances at the heart of things shone out upon us from a human face. And I, I love that, that idea of the love that dances at the heart of things. So to, to, if we really under, want to understand the world, it's the fact that God loves us deeply, even though we don't deserve it, not even for a second. And, but he's not going to let us stay in, in our shame. You know, so for dying, you know, we, have, we, we might have dying members. Transfiguration. It's the hope of glory, isn't it? Um, it for our addicts, he's not going to let us stay in our shame. And even for the people who are just, we go back to the daily routine and we're just kind of dead to it. And, and we think we're just kind of running on a wheel and we come down the mountain. We have this promise from God that we're going from glory to glory. You know, that, that um, little by little by little by little, we're being made into his image, which is the most glorious image of all. I'm just kind of stuck on that. And that's the love that dances at the heart of all things. I, I, I was on a phone call the other day. I called a guy who's um, dying from ALS. And I asked him, what do you want me to pray about? And he said, pray that I can be who God created me to be from all eternity. You know, and he was talking about transfiguration, you know, and we go from, from glory to glory. That's the way Paul put it, from glory to glory. And this is the hope. We're just putting people, uh, helping people contemplate the face of glory, what Jesus has done for us, and letting that light shine on us and transform us. Yeah, just when you talk about uh you know, story. So, uh, John, you, you and I have that, have that commonality of doing ministry in the deep South. And, um, the number I won't even, I won't even say, say what church bodies, so I don't want to sound like I'm slamming other church bodies, but ones that are more law oriented and having those people come into your church. So they know that like they knew who Jesus was and yet the, the law still dominated their background. And, uh, you know, they would just talk about how it was exhausting to be a Christian because either their obedience wasn't where it needed to be or their, their decision was proven um, in, ineffective because, by, by the, their failure to obey the law. And finally, when they would hear the, like the gospel, truly understand what, what Christ had done for them, um, that's where like, then they had so much more power to, to change whatever they were trying to change, addiction to whatever, whatever so much more power um, from the glory of Christ than they ever got from Mo that Moses could possibly give them. And, and uh, yeah, to whatever, whatever degree our preachers can help people see that, that it's, it's from the glory of Christ, uh, not from Moses, that this transformation takes place. I will be, uh, I'll be well served. You guys got some final thoughts? That was beautiful. I don't, I mean, there's, there's so much in here, but I think, I think I've given, tried to, at, at the risk of taking something so complex and simplifying, I think that's, that's the best that we can do for people. Yeah, we could spend a week talking about this text, I think, but uh, just uh, 
we'll 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 call it a day and and remember our preachers in their prayers that the Lord would give them wisdom as they handle this um, for the blessing of their people. Uh, thank you, brothers. It has been great having you as part of uh, part of this preacher's podcast for this Epiphany sermon series. Uh, thank you for uh, helping your brothers in the ministry, and Lord's blessing is on your ministry. Thank you. Thanks.